don't know about you, but can we just give a shout to God? I, I know you might wake your neighbors. You might wake some of your kids that's still in bed. I don't know. But could you just give a shout? They, it might be that somebody thinks you're crazy, but I don't know about you, but it was a shout that gives us the victory. And let's count to three and just give God a big shout. One, two, three. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo. With everything, Lord. With everything, we give you praise. With everything, God, we magnify you, Jesus. With everything, Lord, we lift up your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. God is so awesome. He is so real to us amen thank you so much praise team for joining in and and if you want to just play softly for just a second as i uh, as i get into the word here you know this morning god is working all things for his glory for his good when i think of even the arrangements of songs dre and i had not spoken but it was, a, it was an alignment of God's plan. And, and, and if I was to give a topic or title, it would be when God shows through. And I just believe that God wants to demonstrate himself and manifest himself through us. Because there's a world that's looking for hope. There's a world searching for something. And, and not just because of the circumstances we're in, but I'm talking about all the time, there are people who are hurting. And for too long, the voice of the kingdom of God has not been very loud. Jesus even said, if the people don't worship me, the rocks will cry out. I'm, I'm getting to the place where I'm kind of wondering if there's some rocks that are getting ready to shout and praise. Because people who know Jesus, who've experienced his presence and power have been sitting too long, not letting God show through. I believe it's time for the, for the kingdom of God, for the people of God, to allow the voice of God to speak through them and be that kingdom people that the world knows and is looking for. And that's who we are. God's looking for a people. He's looking for a remnant. And I believe that in these hours, we're showing up and God's showing out through people like you who are serving, who are continuing to step into people's crisis and demonstrating the love of God, giving people the vision for dreams, to dream, and then making people aware that they're valuable. That's who we are. That's who God has instilled in us the person and presence and power of the king of glory and the king of kings this morning i want to reflect on a passage and talk about god showing through i'm going to read from matthew chapter 5 1 through 5 and after i finish that dre you can you can step down but i, I just want to I don't know, is that all right? I just love when you play behind me a little bit there, man. It's just good stuff, brother. But Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 
many of you have heard this over and over again, uh, and I would love to reflect, and I hope that we can bring a, a new layer this morning. But it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And he goes on and he continues, but we're going to do two-part sermon, two parts here. We're going to stop here this morning. And I believe that these scriptures will help us to understand that the Lord wants to shine through us and these characteristics to shine through us as well. You know, there was a little girl on her way home as they were driving on the way home and she began to speak with her mother and she said, Mother, she says, I'm a little confused by what the pastor said. Of course, the mother being the reassuring mother that she is, she said, well, honey, what, what's confusing? She said, well, the preacher says that God is so big that he holds the world in his hand. And she said, yes, dear, that's absolutely correct. God is an awesome, great, big God. He says, well, Mama, she said, well, the pastor said that if we accept the Lord as our Savior, that he comes and lives inside of us. And she said, yes, dear, that is absolutely correct. The Lord is so good and personable that he comes and lives inside of each one of us. And the little girl, puzzled with the thought, looks at her mother and says, Mother, if God is so big and so enormous, if he lives inside of us, wouldn't he show through? Hmm. If God is so big and he's living inside of us, shouldn't he show through? Isn't it great how children give us such good wisdom, isn't it? And how that they give us some thought-provoking things that make us say, hmm. <laughs> I believe that's what these that we call in Matthew chapter 5, we call them the Beatitudes. And I believe that that's really what that's about. God showing through. God demonstrating himself in us. God showing through. It's always... God's plan, it's always been God's purpose that, that when he enters into our lives, that he would be allowed to fill and direct each one of us. That he would be able to show through us. That would be the visible, uh, not only in our attitudes, but in our actions. So God demonstrating his love through us. Not, not that we have to imitate God. I want you to understand, I understand we talk about imitating God, but not that we imitate or not that, uh, that we try to do the things that Jesus would do, but that we... Allow Christ himself to flow through us. That he would live through us. And that's what the Beatitudes is all about. It's kind of like a light bulb. You can have a light bulb all you want to, but unless you plug it into the power, it's just a, an empty, no good bulb sitting there. And guess what? Until we are plugged into the power source of God himself, we're, we're of no use. But when we are plugged into the power, it's the demonstration of the Holy Spirit magnifying the presence of God and the light of God shines through each one of us. The idea is that too many people 
in their religious mindsets are trying to do. Well, I'm trying to act this way. One preacher even said, and I'm sure that I've probably said it too, that the Beatitudes are, uh, are to be your attitude. But the idea of that is, is really, is, it would be pretending if to say that that was my attitude. Because I don't know that I'm humanly capable within the flesh to live out this, this type of life, to live out these types of characteristics. Because in reality, only Jesus can do Jesus. Only, uh, I mean, who can do Jesus better than Jesus, right? So it's really by the Holy Spirit. It's really the, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and how he has come to live in us, that he might live through us, that we can be able to display the characteristics to meet the, the need of humanity. I hope I'm getting an amen somewhere out there. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, when he does, when the presence of God begins to permeate our life, others begin to see the image of Christ through the veil of flesh that we wear. And Christ Jesus be glorified. Amen? Let me ask you a question. What would it be like if Jesus showed up in your place? What would it be like if Jesus was to show up at your job as you one day? How would that look? What would be different? What would change? What would be demonstrated that day? What if, what if Jesus showed up and was you at your home? How would the dynamics of your family work and operate if Jesus showed up as you in your home? What if, young people, children, what if Jesus showed up and sat in your seat as you at school one day, whenever you get back to school next year, sometime? What would that look like? How would that, how would the atmosphere change? How would the personality change? How would the characteristics change? How would that dynamic change? What if the Holy, what if God himself, the presence of Christ showed up and stood behind this pulpit in my place this morning? My point is, is I believe that is what God wants to do in every one of, he wants to show up in our lives and demonstrate himself and his power through each one of us, experiencing, so that others can experience the glory of God. He came to live within me to mortify the carnal works of this body. He came to live within me to master the circumstances of my life. He came to manifest his character and to minister to others that I may be, that, 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 that I have influence with, and that is him through me. And that is him through you. When we understand that, it really makes me wonder, does, does anyone see God through me? Does anyone see God through you? Are we demonstrating, is, is God's presence manifest in our life? Do the people see that? And, 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 and when you think of it, if, if God's presence is manifest through us, then we will exemplify these beatitudes, these statements, because to me, they're a self-portrait of Christ Jesus. They're what he looked like. Can I get a witness? I mean, to think that the very first, he was poor in spirit. In other words, he was not spiritually arrogant. I mean, if you think of the word of God, we think of what it says. It says, although he was 
Almighty God, with all the rights and privileges of deity, he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant, even being made likeness in the likeness of man, and he humbled himself. That word humble literally means he emptied. He emptied himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. This was a portrait of Jesus Christ. He was poor in spirit. He mourned. I mean, I look at... The moment when Jesus walked up to Mary and Martha and they, they were proclaiming, Jesus, if you had only been here. And, and, and Jesus, knowing what he was going to do, knowing that his plan was to raise Lazarus up, he still took the moment to minister to their hearts. He ministered to them in their situation, knowing that he could get them out of the situation. He, he identified with and he wept with them. Just a few weeks ago, he talked about the triumphant entry and how Jesus stopped the procession. And, and in his stopping the procession, the Bible says that he wept over Jerusalem. I mean, to think that Jesus himself, he mourned. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He understands where we are. He understands the struggles that we go through. Jesus mourns. He was meek or gentle. He, was, he hungered and thirsted after righteousness. He was merciful. The, if we were to measure the life of Christ Jesus with these qualities, we would find that Jesus is the model of all these qualities. I'm convinced that this was not a description of a Christian person, but this was a description of Christ himself. And I believe just as Jesus manifested and modeled these characteristics while he was on earth, I believe that when we walk in his presence, yielded to him, that we also will demonstrate these characteristics. So why should we look at this? Well, I, I believe that the very first verse, the very first word of each one of these statements was to grab our attention. Blessed. Last week we talked about the ascension and the very last thing Jesus did as he was ascending into the heavens was to bless his disciples, declare blessings over us. And here he is once again, his first message uh, that's recorded in the New Testament. He's standing before a group of people on the hillside and he's declaring a message of blessing over them. Wow. I mean, you've got to realize that here Jesus is giving them something that they're, that they're not expecting. He's giving them an, an, an uncommon feeling. He's giving them an unexpected offer. And, and here they were. They were people who were oppressed politically. They were oppressed sociolo sociologically and socially. They were oppressed ec economically. They didn't have. And yet here they are. Jesus is giving them a, a, a blessedness. And that word blessed literally means happy. He's giving them happiness. We often don't feel happy. Or we look at our circumstances and we wonder what it feels like to be happy. And yet Jesus, right in this first message, this, this declaration of the first time that he gives a public message that is recorded in all of the New Testament, he declares, happy are you. I mean, when you think about this uncommon feeling you have to realize it was, it, was, it was a common word. It wasn't that it wasn't used. It wasn't that it wasn't something, uh, a new word that he just made up or he was just declaring. It was a common word, but Jesus used it in an uncommon manner. He used it in a way that it was 
not normal to use. Because in this uncommon way, he was declaring in an uncommon environment to an uncommon people that they would be happy. Because when you think about how this word is normally used, it's typically, it typically describes someone who's wealthy. It typically describes someone who's, who's rich because they enjoyed a standard of living that no one else seemed to be able to attain to. It appeared to them that, that the problems of this world had no meaning to them because they were wealthy. So they were happy. It also was a word that would probably describe the Greek gods because uh, they had power to gratify every desire that they wanted. It described a state of contentment and delight that, that was reserved for the very privileged, uh, the very privileged minority that was able to experience that. So if we were to correctly put it in a common form, it would more likely say, blessed are the rich because they got all they want. Blessed are the famous, blessed are the gifted and talented, blessed are the powerful, blessed are the privileged. Those would be common words that would identify what this word literally means or what it would exemplify. And yet here Jesus is saying, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, blessed are you who mourn, blessed are you who are meek and gentle, blessed are you who hunger and thirst. He was giving something that didn't seem to be, to make sense to work together. I mean, the fact is, is happiness is a common desire. Everybody wants to be happy, don't they? Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We're always thinking of happiness on the great beyond. We're always thinking of happiness. Oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be happy. But why not? Can, can we not live happy right now? Because Jesus was declaring that they can be blessed and happy even in the circumstances that they were in. Too many times we've put happiness as unattainable and unreachable as, as something that's elusive that we can't get to. It's almost like it's a, a four-leaf clover or a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. We, we want it. We, we have a hope for it, but we don't know that we can attain to it. And so it's just something that we want. But if, happy, if happiness is linked with power, then not everybody can have that. If happiness is linked to privilege, not everybody's born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Not everybody's born into privileged families. If you've been around the world, we are a blessed country. Even the poorest people here have the ability to attain to social security. They have methods of getting things. But when you go into third world countries and when they have impoverished moments, it means that people are going to die because they don't have. So we're, happiness is... If it's linked to prosperity, then not everybody's prosperous. If, if it's linked to popularity, not everybody's born with this social butterfly personality that just loves everybody and just is just popular with everybody. Not everybody has that. But here, Jesus is looking at these people and he's declaring this announcement back to back, blessings on them and and. and, and and it has to be having endured a lifetime of a verbal assaults by the, by the scribes and Pharisees. The multitude must have felt like they had died and gone to heaven when Jesus was declaring blessings on them. For some reason, many people look at the Bible as, as something negative. 
They're always looking at the negative aspects, the prohibitions. You can't do this and you can't do that. They're looking at the curses. Oh, I better not do that. I'm going to get cursed. They're looking at the judgments and, and they leave people with the impression that God is just some sour God sitting up there looking for opportunities to wipe away our joy as a killjoy to keep us from experiencing the, the joy of the Lord, the joy of life. But you know, when I think of of this word blessed that's being used here, I also have to realize it was used in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. It says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was com committed to my trust. In other words, I'm so glad to know that God's a happy God. God's a joyful God. God, the song that we sang just a few moments, he is for me. To think about that, you need to grasp that this morning. Too many times we think, that God is against us. But look, even when my child makes a mistake, guess what? I'm for them. Even when my child is struggling with something, I'm not against them. I'm for them. I want to see the best come out of them. I want to help them find the best way. I want to encourage them in the best manner because I see in them the potential that they are and I know that they can perform great things if they will truly surrender their life to Jesus and if I can help them any way, I am for them. Well, the same manner that me and my flesh as a human father having a, having a desire for my children to do well, how much more does the heavenly father want to see his children whom he created, whom he put his breath into, how much more does he want to see them do well? He's joyful. But not only that, I see that in, in Titus chapter 2 and 13, the same word is manifest, looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's almost like a congratulations. You know, are you poor in spirit? Congratulations! Woo! Blessed are you. How fortunate. The word also means fortunate. How fortunate are you? How blessed are you? How prosperous are you? Congratulations! Wow. Let that seep in a little bit this morning, all right? I mean, are you happy? I mean, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm not necessarily happy that you're not here this morning and you're not sitting in pews where I can look at you and call you by name and high-five you and bump fists and say, what's up? I mean, I get that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not happy with that situation, but are you happy? Are you happy in who you are? Are you happy? Too many people spend their lives thinking, I could be happy if. I could be happy if I had a million dollars. I could be happy if I had this. I could be happy if... And, and, and so often, because they have uh, had the what-if syndrome, they're always looking in the wrong places. They're associating with the wrong things. And let me suggest to you that if you are only looking, I could be happy if, it's probably not the fact that you have the presence of God in your life. You're not manifesting the happiness and joy of the Lord. God's not showing through if you're only happy if something's taking place. Or if this or that. Because we find our happiness not in the things of this world. We find our happiness in the manifestation of Christ Jesus in us. When God shows through, the world will, will see not a, only a happy person... But a, a, for happiness is based on happenstance and circumstance. But 
But I believe that he, we will see something even much more deeper. I believe we'll see something even much more profound. Because when God shows through, we will see a whole person. A person who is complete. The Beatitudes are a self-portrait of Christ. And so if, if we see that they're a self-portrait of Christ, that which we could see if God was living in bodily form. God's purpose, according to Romans chapter 8, 29, is for every Christian to be conformed to the image of Christ. Therefore, it is reasonable to draw the, the, a conclusion that the Beatitudes describe qualities that every Christian should exhibit. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about some superhuman. I'm not talking about some super Christian. I'm talking about anyone who says Christ Jesus, the Messiah, is my King, my Lord, my Savior. And when we allow Him to, to have our lives as the song that we sang, I give myself away so you can use me. When we surrender ourselves to him, then these qualities should be demonstrated in every Christian. Every Christian should exhibit all of these qualities. Wait a minute, Pastor. All? What about one or two? I mean, you've got to realize that th these aren't guidelines for, Christ for Christian character. Guidelines are suggestions, or they suggest a standard that, that you and I should strive to measure up to. Men do not have what it takes to reach the standard of living out these characteristics in themselves. I mean, think about it, guys. We are still living in a world influenced by sin. We're still living in a world dominated by sin. Sin at work in the heart of man makes them proud. Sin at work in the heart of man makes them pushy. It's the presence of sin that produces a hunger and thirst for all that which is unholy. Sin is a spiritual problem and re requires a spiritual solution. Beatitudes describe to me the evidence of a life yielded to God. I mean, they're not something that is produced by a Christian, but they are something that is in a Christian. They tell us what men will see in a life that is surrendered to the Lord. I mean, think about it. The Beatitudes, they don't represent individual qualities, but a complete picture of a man and a woman mastered by God. I mean, if you think about it, it's a complete package. I mean, when the Bible talks about the the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It's not a plural. So a person under the control or, or under, the, under the control of the Holy Spirit isn't going to demonstrate a lack of, of self-control. The evidence that a man and a woman are truly walking in the Spirit is that they, des that they exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Amen, oh me, and ouch, all together, what? What kind of impression would, pe would, would people have of God if, if, we, uh, if we did one thing and we didn't have the other? I mean, look, we could have all these beautiful gifts, but the Bible says, but if you have not love, come on, you're a clinging symbol, right? A sounding brass, just bang, 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 bang. And how many people love to carry around like a badge 
the things they do, and yet they don't demonstrate the full characteristics of walking out the presence and, and characteristics of Christ Jesus. I mean, I, I might be getting in trouble here. How many times do people put symbols of Christianity on their businesses, and yet they have a bad attitude when, when it comes to customers? How many times do we, we, we wear our, our fancy suits and everything, and we walk into restaurants, uh, and we want to be served, and, and yet we treat the waitress or waiter like they're just some slave? I mean, look, if you're going to walk in the Spirit of God, then you've got to walk in the Spirit of God. And he's demonstrated in every circumstance. The love of God will shine through in every situation. And, and look, it's, 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 it's like this. It's not that I'm trying to say that it's, it's the, these characteristics are a yardstick to tell me, am I or am I not living out a life that is full of the Holy Spirit? So my, my, my thing is, is when I look at this, I say, God, if I'm vindictive or if I'm aggravated and I, I'm not uh, demonstrating these characteristics, I have to look at myself and say, God, forgive me. Lord, there's a place in my, in my heart, there's a spot in my life, and I've given place to the devil in that, and I've not allowed you to take control of that place. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to cleanse me, forgive me, purify me, and fill that place. Amen. The Beatitudes are, are not a standard for me to achieve to, but a yardstick in which I can measure how submissive I am to the Holy Spirit. Look, the thing is, is too many times, and I want you, I want you to, to make sure you get what I'm saying right here. We're too busy wondering, are we displaying the characteristics but what I'm trying to help you understand is that quit trying to achieve to characteristics, but start seeking the Holy Spirit. Start seeking a life filled with God himself in you. Because once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he will manifest those characteristics in your life. He will transform you. He will cleanse you. He will empower you. And if all you're doing is trying to live up to, to, certain circum, to certain characteristics on your own ability, then you are walking in a religious uh, mentality that you will never be able to live up to and you will always be walking in failure and you'll always be walking depressed thinking, I can't do this. And God's trying to say, that's right, you can't. But if you'll trust me, if you'll allow me to fulfill you, I'm closing. So when I look at these, these characteristics, poor in spirit. That word poor in spirit literally means emptiness. Having a humble, sober, right self-image. So this one is about self. Look, everybody wants to have a right view of themselves. But the, the fact is, is that if you want to feel good about yourself, you have to start feeling bad about yourself. You have to realize that, that, that this self is not what it should be without him. So we have to put ourself into perspective. And let it demonstrate. I mean, think about it this way. 
Seeing ourselves accurately comes by seeing the Lord in all of his glory. What did Isaiah said? He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And in his, in his revelation of seeing God in the, the fullness of his glory, Isaiah did something. He said, woe, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst or among a people of unclean lips. I mean, when you think about it, Peter saw the Lord, and, and, and he saw the Lord in all of his glory. He says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Saul, before he became Paul, felt very spiritually wealthy. He had this mentality and attitude that if anybody's going to heaven, man, I'm going to heaven. But when he was on the road to Damascus, he saw a revelation of Christ. As Christ manifests himself to him, Paul fell. And right there, he emptied himself of all that he thought he was and surrendered to a Christ, the Messiah. Poor in spirit means to empty us. To mourn means brokenness. So this is literally about our sin. We have to get to a place in our mindset that we understand that sin breaks the heart of God. And whatever breaks the heart of God should also affect our heart. And there should be a mourning time of recognizing that sin breaks the heart of God. And we should mourn with the Lord over that. The word gentle or meek means submissiveness. This is about the Savior. It's power under control. It's a picture of a horse. Have you, I don't know if you've ridden a horse before, but a horse that is broken. I just had a thought. Pray for Stacy. Stacy fell off a horse this week and had to find herself in the hospital. So pray for for her, that's Missy's friend. May God give her strength. But a horse that is broken doesn't mean that the horse is not powerful. Meekness is not weakness. But it's power under control. It's power in the hands of, of God. So this morning I would ask that when we look at this, happy are you when, when we empty ourselves out of selfishness. Happy are us, happy are we when we truly surrender to God. Happy are we when we understand that, that when we mourn, we're joining in with the heart of God. And that we're meek, we're submissive. I mean, think about it. The happiest people in the world are those who yield themselves to experience the awesome grace of our God. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they are comforted. Why? Because they inherit the earth. They're filled. They obtain mercy. They see God and others see God in them. For they are called the children of God. This morning... The Lord wants 
you to experience this uncommon word. Blessed are you. He wants you to experience that hope. You know, I would ask if you had a mirror to look in the mirror. Ask yourself, in my life, does God show through? In my life, does the people, can they recognize the presence of God in me? Because I believe that that is the true ambition that we should have. Not self-seeking, not self-preservation, not trying to pat ourselves on the back. But are we seeking the face of the Lord? So much so that His presence shines through us. Look, Jesus declared to the disciples that they would be the light of the world. Not because they were some special super Christian race. But because they had been with Jesus. And He's the light of the world. And as He demonstrates and manifests Himself in them, they too would be the saw the world. Think about this. In Acts, it tells us that disciples were brought before the Sanhedrin. And they looked at them and they said, these are unlearned men. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel I can identify. I relate to that. But they, they noticed something unique about them. They said, these are unlearned men but we can tell they've been with the master. Can people tell that you've been with the master? This week we have been in a prayer initiative. Every day we've been praying for something different. Today we have focused on praying for the church. Can people tell that you've been in his presence? I love that movie, The War Room. And at the very end of the movie... You know, there's a family moving into the house. And, and the man passes by the closet of where the woman had her prayer room. And as he passed by, he said, Whoa, man, I feel something in this place. Something special is right here. I want to know, when people pass you by, do they sense something special in you? Do they sense the anointing of God? Because you've been spending time in the presence of God. Let me tell you something. You know, today we were supposed to start revival. It's in the books. But why not go ahead and start revival? Why not go ahead and, and allow the, the presence of God to revive and renew and restore you right where you are this morning? right in your home let revival begin look we're going to have revival we'll have a series of services but I believe as I have said over and over again I believe this is an opportunity to see the body of Christ flowing in a revival that is enormous that will touch generations and generations and generations because guess who's at home with you Woo Come on, somebody. 
Your children are at home with you. How are you impacting them with the gospel? How are you impacting them with the anointing and the power of God that's in your life? How are you imparting to them what God has imparted to you? May revival begin. Let's commit to that this morning. Let's ask God to stir that revival in us this morning. Let's ask God. God, if I'm not demonstrating these characteristics, which is a portrait of you, then Lord, I'm asking, would you feel my heart that you shine through? Father, I'm so thankful, God, that we still have the privilege of digging into your word. To grow, to learn, to draw near to you. And what is so awesome is that in this promise, your word says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God, I'm just believing that there's some people who are taking some opportunity to, to get into a prayer closet or a place where they can spend time in your presence. And, and Lord, I believe there's a revival stirring. I believe there's a hunger and a thirst that's, that's welling up in a people and I believe that you, as your word says, those who hunger and thirst will be filled. I'm praying for an infilling that becomes an outpouring. That that outpouring begins to affect others and others desire and see. And revival begins to spread like we've never seen before. I believe this is the day, this is the hour, this is the moment. It can happen now, God. Lord, I pray that as we declare this over our homes, over our families, over our communities, over our county, over our, our state, and our nation, our world. I pray that, that the amen that we declared as we sang that song, the blessing. Amen. So be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we are targeting uh, coming back to service with multiple services on May 10th. It's a moving target. That's our target date. Um, that's Mother's Day. We are, we are looking at having a sign-up sheet um, so that we can maintain a small group of 50 or less in the auditorium at one time, giving plenty of room for people to spread out. We will seat uh, every third seat for that service. So that service is mainly focused in on our older, our SWAT group, our, our seniors with a testimony. For um, those who might feel immune deficiencies, uh, that's what that service is for. We want to make sure that we that we're taking care of you. We will also have a second service at 10.30. That's going to be like at 8.30. Then we'll have a 10.30 service. We'll give you all the details more later. But that's our target. At the 10.30 service, once again, we'll sit at least every other pew. Um, we won't pass a plate for offering. People can, we'll put buckets out for people to, to give into. We will make sure our greeters are open the doors. Nobody's having to touch anything. We will clean 
we'll clean the bathrooms in between services. We will make sure that there's sanitizer everywhere. We want to do our best, one, to follow the regulations that's given to us by the CDC. But as well, we want to make sure that we're just being faithful to love, care, and appreciate and value you and, and make sure that you're cared for uh, to, to make sure you're safe and protected. So that is our target. Uh, it's a moving target, so that may change, but we want to throw it out there so you're aware that that's what we're shooting for. And uh, hopefully it will come to pass. And we're looking forward to at least seeing a few faces in and, and loving on you from a distance. No hugging, no handshaking, just air high fives and air hugs. And we can still smile and wave and we can still say I love you. And that's what we do. We do love you. And look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you guys. Hope to see you in a few weeks. God bless.